This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Adi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally, the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. Um, I've been thinking about that quote that we had on our um, website and on our cards for many years in the beginning of Ikar from Rabbi Nachman that said, the old will be made new and the new will be made holy. Isn't that beautiful? And I'm thinking about it because I was about to introduce Rabbi Hannah Jensen as our new rabbi. But in fact, she's very old at Ikar. She has been here for the last six or seven years um, so much so that it's hard to even remember or imagine Ikar without Rabbi Jensen, except that she wasn't Rabbi Jensen until um, just this past spring. The old will be made new now in this new role, and the new will be made holy. Um, it has been an incredible honor for so many of us over the course of the last seven years to get to know you as a rabbinical student, as just a person out in the world, as a leader in our justice work, and now as a really incredible part of our rabbinic team, and I'm so honored to introduce um, our preacher tonight, Rabbi Hannah Jensen. Shabbat Shalom and Shana Tova. In 18th century Lithuania, there was a man named Yaakov Krantz, most notable as the Dubner Magid. He was famous for his fables and parables based on our Jewish tradition. At the time, there were even Dubner Magid imposters, so he would have to go through tests to prove his identity. Among them, opening the Torah and prophets at random and inventing parables on the spot. Or so the story goes. One of my favorite of his parables, which some of you may know, is as follows. There was once a queen who had a magnificent collection of jewels. But, then, but there was one that she was especially taken with, a great diamond. After each day of governing the kingdom, she would return to her chambers to admire it and meditate on its perfection. Its surfaces, facets, clarity, the diamond was proof that something perfect and whole and unbroken could exist in the world. And then one night, a great misfortune. While caressing the diamond, it fell from her hands, landing on the cold stone floor. She froze. And then, with trembling fingers, she picked it up, only to see a long spindle of a crack now appeared in the diamond, a crack running from the very top to the very bottom. The queen was horrified. The perfection of the diamond was forever ruined. She grieved over this broken jewel, the last perfect thing in all creation. The ministers of the queen tried to console her, bringing her all sorts of experts to repair the diamond. Scientists, technicians, jewelers, magicians, wizards, all came and all failed to repair the diamond. The crack was too deep and they all knew that if they tried to polish it, they would break it into many pieces. Finally, one craftsman came and looked at the diamond for a long time. He turned it over and over and then offered to repair it. Give it to me for one week, and I will bring it back more perfect than before. The queen was intrigued by this offer. She handed her precious gem to him. Within a week, as promised, the craftsman returned. Did you fix it? 
The queen asked anxiously. I have, he said calmly. It is once again perfect. In fact, it is more perfect than before. Then he calmly handed the diamond over to the queen, and she lifted it up to the light, but then there was the crack, still as it had been before, long, spindly, marring the perfection of the gem from its very top to its very bottom. Her face fell and her eyes welled up with tears. Do you mock me? She exclaimed. It's still broken. After everything she had imagined, in the end it wasn't fixed. It was still just as broken as before. As we come to this moment every year, Erev Rosh Hashanah, some of us might feel like that. Like all we see are the cracks in the perfect diamond. Like the season feels so heavy and we look around and everything in ourselves and the world seems broken. But not all of us feel that way. We come here for different reasons and feeling myriad things. While some of us come bringing that sense of brokenness, others of us come feeling really good about this year and ourselves and where we are. Some of us come simply because it's what we think we're supposed to do or what we always do or our parents brought us or our friend dragged us. But no matter how we ended up here or what we came in here feeling, the calling card of this season is tshuva, repair, repentance, return. Something that requires us to look inward and reckon with the things that may feel most broken or flawed in ourselves. To see the crack in the diamond, that is the work. And it's not easy. It takes a lot of courage to look inward enough to see, to find your real brokenness, imperfections, not knowing exactly what you might find. And so maybe we don't actually want to do it at all. Maybe we hesitate to start it because of how it might make us feel. Maybe we got here just hoping to have a nice, easy, smooth night and season and not looking to rock the boat. Or maybe it's intimidating to get really honest with ourselves and our actions and our truths because what if we just get stuck in contempt for ourselves? Believe me, I get that. I slip so easily into shame in my day-to-day -day life without the added deep introspection of the season. The wrong glance from someone, a small mistake I made, a change in someone's tone, something I said that was taken the wrong way, any of those things can happen and I start to shut down. I freeze, blood rushes to my face, and the world starts to move really slowly. All I can think of is what I did wrong. I get stuck, and I can't crawl out. And that's just on a Tuesday. So I get it. Of course, then, it's daunting to engage in looking at yourself in ways that may bring up so much more profound feelings of shame especially as we begin this trek through Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and reminders are everywhere about the heart work that we should be doing. If we let ourselves get further into this work, we can play our countless dropping the diamond on the stone floor moments on repeat in our minds. We start to only see those moments, the ones we wish hadn't happened, the things we broke and didn't fix. And then those moments become inextricable from ourselves, from who we are, we are the ones who broke the diamond. We are the ones who got into a bad fight with our sibling, parent, roommate. We are the ones who lied to our boss. We are the ones who never responded to the difficult email, letter, voicemail. We are the ones who sent the hasty and cruel email, letter, voicemail. We are the ones who avoided the hard conversation. 
We are bad, wrong, guilty, ashamed. We are the problem. Or said another way by one of our great contemporary poet, poets, it's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. But instead of using our moments of falling short as a catalyst for tshuva and change and growth, we just use them as more proof that we are bad. We just freeze, face flushed, world moving really slowly. It's proof that we can't get it right. That something is fundamentally and existentially wrong with us. We will always have broken the diamond. That's all that will be true about us. We broke the one perfect, beautiful thing in the world. But there are two approaches here. One, using these moments of imperfection as a catalyst for tshuva, and two, using them to confirm everything that's wrong with us. And they can be boiled down to the difference between guilt and shame. The psychoanalyst Helen Block Lewis was the first person to really investigate this distinction and explained it as follows. The experience of shame is directly about the self, which is the focus of evaluation. In guilt, the self is not the central object of negative evaluation, but rather the thing done or undone is the focus. Guilt is about an action. Shame is about a person's essence. Or more likely commonly known in this room, the incredible researcher and storyteller Brene Brown said, guilt is I did something bad, shame is I am bad. In these days between tonight and Yom Kippur, if we have the courage to do this work right, it becomes easy to fall into I am bad. Me, my whole self, something is wrong with me that can never be fixed or changed. But the thing is, I'm gonna tell you right now, that's not actually the point. That's not the goal of this time from the month of Elul to Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur and beyond. Because when we get stuck in the I am bad place, the only a bad and idiotic person would have dropped the perfect diamond on the stone floor place, we can't move, we can't act. We can't evolve, we just stay there, frozen, flushed face, world moving really slowly. I've been there so many times. But this season is actually about movement, about change, about how we can see and meet our shortcomings and failures and imperfections and learn from them, repair them, move forward with them, knowing more and being better. In order to have the chance for that moment though, we do have to begin. We do have to look at ourselves and really see ourselves. We have to sit with what we've done and who we've been. But then what? What do we do when we see these things, these things that maybe we're not proud of? Well, they are in fact important. They mean something, they make us who we are. And that is the next step. First, we have to really honestly see ourselves and our weak points. And then second, we have to witness them, notice them and embrace them. Rabbi Avraham Dove of Average points out that the gematria, the numerology of mum, imperfection or blemish, is 86. And so is the gematria of Elohim, God. They are equal. Our imperfections may be our holiness, God's holiness. They're, they're, our imperfections may be our holiness, our godliness. They are sacred. They are not a place for shame, but a place for wonder for curiosity, for understanding ourselves more deeply. Not so that we always stay in that place with those same insecurities and shortcomings, but so that we can start to cultivate a generosity toward them in ourselves. Maybe our unfinishedness is God's unfinishedness. And our, perfect, our imperfection is our most human thing. 
We are never going to arrive. We are always unfolding, becoming, evolving, learning. We are always not quite there. But that does not mean that we are bad. The only way we can make change is from a place of I am human and imperfect, not I am bad and unable to change. One of the Torah's most quintessential moments of our perfection and falling short is with Moshe, Moses, and the tablets. While Moshe is on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments on tablets both carved and inscribed by God, the people are at the base of the mountain creating the golden calf, a golden idol to worship instead of God. When Moshe comes back down the mountain and sees this, his anger overtakes him. He throws down the new and perfect tablets he just received from God, and they smash on the ground, not unlike the perfect diamond on the stone floor. He ruined an immaculate thing, inscribed by God, whole and complete and unblemished. If there were ever a moment to retreat into shame and questions of worthiness, it would be that one. Standing at the base of the mountain, realizing everything he just experienced with God was ruined and on his account. If, if it were me, I would have likely run as quickly as I could away from all of it. Though, as I've said, when I'm in shame, the world starts moving really slowly, so I probably wouldn't have been able to even run. But Moshe does something else. With all his shame and guilt and fear and worry and uncertainty, he goes back up. He faces God again, back to the exact place where he was right before he ruined everything. And God says to him, God says, carve out a new set of tablets, just like the first. Remember, God had carved the first set. And then God says, And I will inscribe the same words upon them, the same ones that were on the first tablets that you broke. It isn't actually ruined forever. It isn't actually broken. It will be different, but it will be okay. But this time, they will be carved by human hands. That is what God tells Moshe. After everything, instead of making another divinely perfect set, this time Moshe will carve them. God gives him another chance. Instead of meeting Moshe's shame with anger or frustration or disappointment, validating his shame, God gives him a chance for repair, for tshuva. God gave Moshe the most precious thing in the world, and he shattered it. And then, in response, God gave him the next most precious thing. God gave Moshe an opportunity to witness his errors and learn from them. The Talmud goes a step further. In Tractate Menachot, there's a question about the language in the Torah. Why does it say, Why does it say, on the first tablets that you broke? Of course, Moshe knows that he broke them. Why is that phrase added to the end? And it's explained simply. The Asher is an allusion to Yashar. Amar lo HaKadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe Yashar Koach SheShibarta. Yashar Koach SheShibarta. Literally, your strength is true that you broke the tablets. It's not just okay that you broke the tablets. It's good. Good for you. Look what you were able to learn from it. Look at the ways it helped you grow. And even that is not the end of the story of these tablets, both the whole and the broken. We see them again in the Talmud in Tractate Bhava Batra. And this part of their story gives us a third step in the process I've started to outline for us. One, as we've established, we have to do an honest and true accounting of ourselves and our imperfections. Two, 
We have to witness them, ask questions, sit with them, and then welcome them for what they come to teach us about ourselves. And now three, what does that witnessing move us to do? If it's not freeze and blood rushing to the face and world around us moving really slowly, what does it move us to actually do? We learn in Bhava Batra that the tablets were carried in the ark with the people through the desert. But then the Talmud asks the question, Uma ani mekayem ein ba'aron rak. What am I supposed to understand from the phrase that best, seems best translated as, there was nothing in the ark except? Except what? Rabbi Meir asks. The answer is, except the broken pieces of the first tablets that were placed there. Those were also carried in the ark. Those first tablets that were divine and holy and sacred and perfect that Moshe threw on the ground in anger and shattered, those were carried with the people too. Their humanness, their imperfections, they didn't throw them away or bury them or let the shame keep them stuck at the base of that mountain forever. Instead, they took them on their journey. They were worthy. They were holy. Mum and Elohim, after all, have the same numerological value. Our imperfection makes us human. It makes us who we are. It doesn't make us bad. It doesn't make us wrong. It doesn't make us past the point of growth and learning and repair. Rabbi Nachman said, if you believe that it is possible to break, believe that it is possible to repair. And that is the season that we are in. It is not a moment for despair and hopelessness and shame and, and self-flagellation. It is a moment for repair. It is a time for using your moments of falling short this year as motivation to do better and to be better. Not because at some point you will be perfect, but because you will always be evolving, striving to be the best that you can be, the most you that you can be. In Deuteronomy, we come across the following phrase, tamim tiyei mashem elohecha, often translated as, you should be perfect with your God. And that feels daunting. It feels like setting us up for inevitable failure and feelings of shame all over again. But instead, I think it might mean something else. Be whole with your God. Be wholehearted with your God. Be fully you with your God. Be your best self with your God. And also be your best self with you. Fall short and learn and do better. Grieve and yearn and fight and struggle and overcome and then do it all again. Bring the shards of the tablets with you in the ark, not just the whole tablets. Bring every version of yourself with you on your way. There's a word play I also want to point out that I first encountered from Rabbi Sharon Cohen Anisfeld, and it is in the root of the word shame, busha, bet, vav, shin, and in the root of tshuva, shin, vav, bet. They are the same or maybe they're the inverse of each other, but busha to tshuva, bush to shuv. That is the work. To take this busha, this shame, this inadequacy, then to notice it, explore it, understand it, and then turn it into something else. To eventually move from bush to shuv, shame to tshuva, brokenness to repair, smashing the tablets on the ground to remaking them and carrying both versions with you. Dropping the perfect diamond on the stone floor. That brings us back to that story, the Dubner Magid story, because I didn't quite tell you the whole thing at the beginning. We stopped at the queen's anger when she saw the crack was still in the diamond when the craftsman returned it. But that's not the whole thing, so, so let's go back. The queen was angry, yes. She saw that the crack still remained and she felt so upset that she had let herself be duped. But then something else happens. 
Look again, the craftsman tells her gently and turns the diamond over for her to see. There at the top where the crack had met the top of the diamond, he had carved a tiny rose. And now instead of a long, ugly crack, the diamond had within it the most exquisite rose with a long, magnificent stem running from its top to its bottom. It wasn't ruined after all. It was redeemed. It was healed. It was repaired. It was whole just not in the way she had imagined. She had to really see it, notice it, and then there in front of her, she now had a diamond etched with this beautiful rose. Its brokenness in the end, also its elegance. In these 10 days, what broken diamonds can we repair? What I am bad can we turn into? I fell short and I can also act to change it. What shattered tablets can we remake and carry with us? What imperfection can we also see as our holiness? What busha can we turn into tshuva? What self can we look back on in 10 days and be proud of how far we've come? Tamim tiyayim Hashem Elohecha. Be wholehearted with your God. Be wholly human with your God. Be your best version of yourself with your God, with yourself, with your family, with your friends, and then be better. Shana tova umetuka. May this be a sweet and good and whole new year for all of us. Hi, it's Rabbi Brous again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe and please Consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission, to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I-K-A-R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon.